0: Hi, I'm Olaumi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above their level of thinking. Are you looking for transmission from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Hi, this is Me, and welcome to the Super Abundant Life podcast. Did you hear, GEMS is open. (laughs) What's GEMS? GEMS is Goal Execution and Mastery System and it is also my transformational coaching program. I coach throughout the year, but once a year, I open GEMS up as a group coaching program And it is open. So if you're looking for transformation from the inside out, you want to transform an area of your life or areas of your life through the word of God and using the principles that are founded upon the word of God that can never fail, then I suggest you check out Gems at yoursuperabundantlife.com forward slash Gems. The link is also in the show notes. Right. So today... I'm going to be talking, um, actually I'm bringing you a spotlight episode, meaning I have already released this episode previously in the podcast, but every now and then, um, I just, you know, I, I feel very strongly about teaching a particular topic or whatever it is. And sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) I've taught this before and yes true i could you know teach it again and between the time when i released it previously i've by the grace of god would have received more light on it but i'm like a lot of times i listen to the old one and like wow that's powerful and i'm taking notes i'm like this really blessed me so i'm like there's no way i'm going to re-record this thing this thing is powerful i thank god for the insights that he has already released um in that time of teaching so i literally just present this recording again which is what i'm going to be doing today and this one is very important because a lot of us as christians we have this habit of seeing promises in the word of god and then we sort of we're excited about it we quote and unquote stand on the word for the promises then a year goes by two years, three years, four years, 10 years, sometimes after a while, we just sort of push it to one side and sort of casually move on as in, oh, let's not talk about this. Let's just you know, pretend like we never saw that promise in the Bible and move on. Some even go as far as blaming God or blaming people or blaming the environment as to why these promises do not happen in their lives. But to be honest with you, the only person that you really, really, really can point the finger at is yourself and not in a judgmental way to say, oh, it's because I wasn't good enough because I didn't deserve it or because I've sinned. No, absolutely not. It's nothing to do with that. It is just that there's certain conditions that are prescribed in scripture that we must fulfill in order to see the will of God manifested in our lives and that's what i'm going to be teaching today right the promises of god do not happen automatically just because you read it in the bible does not mean you blink twice and then hey here we go here's our beautiful promise there are two conditions you must fulfill and as I play back this episode, I know by the grace of God, it's going to help you and it's going to bless you because the word of God is alive, right? <laughs> and besides, if you're a regular on this podcast, um, I preached, Oh, I taught, <laughs> I did preach, I taught this podcast over a year ago, I think. So it, 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 if you've listened to it, you haven't listened to it in over a year. So get ready, uh, sit tight and... I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, if you have any questions about gems, if you have any comments about today's podcast or any questions regarding the podcast, if you want to maybe take it further, I'm always looking forward to your feedback. You can email me at contact at olaumumibrigway.com. Enjoy. I've titled this one, you can't live out your full potential in God without these two conditions. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. So that's a very bold statement to make. And I hope that as I, as I, you know, go through this podcast and as I teach through it, that you will come to see what I'm talking about. So what do I mean by living out your full potential in God? I think it's important to be able to, you know, describe what I mean by that. Well, it's simple. I mean to live an intentional and fulfilling life, right? An intentional and fulfilling life to live, to live, basically to live out your purpose, the reason why you were created to access the things that God has given us in Christ Jesus. It means to live a beautiful, satisfying life that is perfect in God's eyes. <laughs> and I didn't say that. God himself did. It's in the Bible. Okay, I'm going to read that verse shortly. But really, based on what we see in the Bible, God wants us to live a beautiful, beautiful satisfying life that is perfect in his eyes when the when you see the word peace in the bible and in the old testament i think it's the original word is shalom that word shalom doesn't just mean peace of mind it doesn't mean oh, okay i'm happy and i'm settled in my mind i don't i'm not afraid i'm not sad the word peace shalom actually means prosperity all around prosperity nothing broken Nothing missing. It means prosperity in your health, in the health of your body. It means prosperity in your mind. It means well being. It means prosperity in the works of your hands, in terms of resources. So it's all around prosperity. And I believe, I believe, you know, from studying the Word of God, that that is God's intention for every single one of us, no exceptions. Because the Bible says that God is not partial whatever he has given to one, he has given to all. And the reason why he can't be partial is because anything that we have access to it with God. Okay. It's through Christ. So if we are all going through one person, right, then it's always going to be the same outcome. If I, if we all pass through, because we're all going through one, the same person, it's not like, okay, some people are going through Jesus. Some people are going through John. Some people are going through Peter whatever. It was one person. It was one sacrifice and it is that same sacrifice that we have been redeemed forever. So that is how we can truly know that God can never be partial because it was one sacrifice and we all have access through one person. So God definitely wants us to live a beautiful, satisfying life that is perfect in his eyes. And where did I get that from? All right, I got that from Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Now let me read that because... Leading up, what I just read about the beautiful and satisfying life that is acceptable, that is perfect in the eyes of God, that God is like, yes, that's what I'm talking about, guys. That is the life that I want for you. Okay. There were two things that were conditions, right, that played out before describing that kind of life. So he didn't just say, okay, I want you to live out a beautiful and satisfying life, perfect in my eyes. God gave two conditions that built up to that promise. So let me read it. Romans twelve says, "I encourage you to surrender yourself to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices." And I've you know summarized this in a way um, just to make this a bit shorter. It is verbatim, but I've cut out a few parts. It says, "Stop imitating the ideals and opinions." of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. He says, this will empower you to embrace God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. There were two things there. All right. I think traditionally, if we always use like KJV and (laughs) It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So those are the two things, the two conditions that God gave. They were instructions that God gave, right? With Paul speaking, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that in order to live this beautiful, satisfying life, that is perfect in my eyes, there are two things that you need to do. You need to present your body, a living sacrifice. You need to surrender your body. And body is not just talking about your physical body as in, oh, okay, uh, I need to go and lay down on some altar and this body, Um Set me on fire. That's past. All right. So it's not just talking about the physical body in the way you um you um what's the word? In the way you carry about in your body, right? The Bible talks about the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you cannot, you know, join the body with a prostitute and all those kind of things. It's not just talking about that. It's not just talking about, you know, thinking about how you feed your body and how you take care of it. But it's also, it's basically, you know, all encompassing. It's talking about your physical existence. In other words, your actions. So every step you take, whether it is in nurturing your body or not, Anything you do in this physical world, God is saying that we need to yield or surrender it to Him as a living sacrifice. So the first instruction or the first condition that God gave was to present our physical existence. So what you do, present it as alive to God, basically saying, get rid of dead works. So things that are not in alignment with what God will have you do. So actions are important. You cannot ignore the place of, of, of actions, of taking steps. Jesus was a doer. God is a doer. All right. God doesn't, he, he created, okay. He, he created, he spoke the word into being and then he formed, he formed everything. So God, actions are absolutely necessary. So that's the first thing. And I'm going to break this down as I go along in this podcast. Right, just follow me. I just first of all want to establish there were two instructions that God gave. Now, how we can relate to that and bring it, break it down so to make sense in our in our own world today. I will do that. So present your body as alive to God and focus on spirit-led activities that are leading you to that best life, to that beautiful and satisfying life that God talked about. And then secondly. It says that there has to be a complete reformation of the way you think. So those are the two instructions and the two conditions that God gave. So it's safe to say that if I look at my life and I'm thinking, oh, this does not look beautiful this does not look satisfying and I'm absolutely certain this is not perfect in God's eyes. Then I need to go back and consider the two conditions that God gave, right? I need to, because we know that God is is as straight as an arrow. (laughs) What he says, he says what he means. He means what he says. So though, if he gave those two conditions and I'm not seeing the outcome as he described it, it means I need to go back and check the conditions, which is what we're going to be looking at today. All right? So what are those conditions, as I said, your physical environment, your, your physical existence, the way you conduct your life, your actions, your ways, number one, and your thinking, and your thinking. He essentially gave us a blueprint. He gave us a blueprint as to how to access that beautiful and satisfying life. Okay. Now there's another place. There's another scripture that I wanted to read that basically describes this perfectly. What I'm saying is, so I want to give you another scripture that sort of uh, doubles it up so that you can see that, okay, I'm not just saying these things. It is right there in the Bible. And this is Isaiah 58 and verses eight and nine. God says that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Now think about that. Think about that. We just said that. So thoughts, meaning your thinking and your ways, your actions, the way you live your life. God says nothing like, the, nothing like what you're thinking. No way. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And then he says that as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my deeds or my ways are superior to your ways or deeds and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God says that his own plans, his actions, the way he would want us to operate the actions that he would expect us to take are far superior than what we're thinking. If we just only, you know, focus and use the human mind and the brain and the intelligence to decide what to do and only act based on what is logical to you, then as I said, you're honestly going to miss out on the best that God has for you. It is impossible to live our best lives in God without exchanging our thoughts for his thoughts and exchanging our deeds or our actions for his actions. And the third example to buttress this is Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing. And we know that in terms of his mind, Jesus was perfectly aligned. He says, my will is to do the father's will. So he was perfectly aligned in his thinking. But then it wasn't just his thinking. He said, my actions are also perfectly aligned. So I only carry out steps or actions exactly as God would carry them out. Okay. So, (laughs) so, you know, I hope I've been able to establish that those two conditions are absolutely necessary. If you have a desire, and I'm sure you do to live out your best life, to fulfill your purpose in God, to experience that beautiful and satisfying life, perfect in God's eyes, described to us as a promise in the word of God. When we don't follow those instructions or those two conditions, what we end up doing is we limit God. So God still wants us to have that beautiful life he wants you to have it. But if those two things are not in alignment, what happens is his intentions basically, you know, get sidestepped. He can't really do what he wants to do until those two things are in place. So what I want to do now, having hopefully established that is I'm not going to, you know, break this down using real stories to explain how this plays out in everyday life. I'm going to give you two examples from my own life right? How I I severely limited God and I was shut out of that beautiful and satisfying life simply because those two things were out of alignment. And then I'm going to take us through a Bible character, and I, so I was asking God as I was preparing for this podcast. I went, "Who is going to be like the best character to use to describe these two things?" And He told me, and I was like, "When I started reading, i was like, wow, this is exciting. This is exactly what it, this is what I was talking about, etc." So I'm very excited to also share about that Bible character with you when I get to that. But first, I want to, you know, talk about two areas of my life. You know, like I said, I've observed this thing. You have come honestly, nobody can ever convince me otherwise, because I believe that there is nothing that God has not made available to me through Christ. So if I'm not experiencing it, I need to take responsibility. I need to be able to say, okay, God says, there it's one of two things or both. It's either my thoughts are not in alignment. I'm thinking I have a mediocre way of thinking regarding this or my ways are not in alignment. And to be perfectly honest with you, when your thoughts come into alignment, your ways follow. So it's from the inside out. So if you can get your thoughts in alignment with the thoughts of God and God's way of thinking, your actions will follow. Okay. So that's a very sweet deal, isn't it? <laughs> so the first one, the first example from my own life that I wanted to share is, and if you have listened to episode one of the podcast, where I shared my story, this one is, so I, I try to pick two different things. The first one is in relation to sin. What would my called sin? All right. Oh, you did this wrong with oh, you behave badly sin. And then the second example I'll give is in like a more material thing. Okay. But. I, in my, in that story, so I'm just going to summarize, if you haven't, um, you know, listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. I share everything in great detail. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, I I essentially grew up, okay, um, with this idea that, oh my God, I, I had this fear, I had a crippling fear, um, probably from around the age of 10 that I was I was going to get pregnant outside of wedlock. It was a fear that I carried for a long time, as in probably a long time, 20 years, something like that, as in, I carry this fear because of, you know, some experiences that i had, you know, been exposed to as a child that were traumatic for me by observation. It wasn't actually me happen to, but <laughs> by observation, I just had this crippling fear that, ah, I do not, there's no way as in, I, I, I'm not going to have a child. That's It's not me. It's not my portion. And this was even before I was really born again. Cause I, I got born again and really started, I got born again at age 13, but I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I was a body school, um, got born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I didn't really start walking with God until I was 16. So Got born again at age 16 or started walking with God intimately at age 16, and I still carry this fear. I was like, you know, no, I, you know, there's no way I'm not going to. And basically, I was doing everything I could. Now, obviously, if, if I'm sharing this story, you know how it ends. I did end up getting pregnant outside of wedlock and all that. Now, this is the point I want to make. Like I said, I really, you know, don't want to go into all that. But there's a point I want to make. The point is this. Afterwards, when I literally found myself and I was pregnant and I went to Ghana I said, after everything that I did to prevent this, I mean, and I did do everything I knew in my own mind to do, to prevent it. Honestly, I went after it. I was like, eh, don't even come anywhere near me. Um, no boyfriend, as in all those kind of things. I put all sorts of safety measures around me because I was determined. I was determined that it was not going to happen. I was not going to be that girl. <laughs> I was not going to be that girl, okay? No, not me. <laughs> um, so I was determined that no, it will happen to me. And I did everything that I knew to do f- to prevent it. But then after it happened, and then I'm like, God, huh? Are you? Well, how, can, how can I find myself here? As in, it was like a dream. How can I find myself here? After my? I had this strong desire not to ever be in this position. And it was, you know, a lot of you know this, you know, that was literally when my own journey of transformation began. Because God basically began to teach me that, oh, you think it is by shakadaba, Baba and all those just praying mindlessly, all right? And saying, oh, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm hot for Jesus and doing all those things. Meanwhile, your mind is unrenewed. Meanwhile, you are bound in your mind by a fear that, and that fear was literally attracting that very thing into your life. He said, he began to show me that, you know, basically took me to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And he said that two things that were that fundamentally wrong with your plan. You had a good desire, which was in line with my will. And you had, you know, a good idea or, you know, as in a good heart, right? What you wanted was, I was, I wanted it as well. It was my will for you. But the reason why it didn't happen was that there were two things that were fundamentally wrong with that plan that you had. Because you thought and it's because I didn't know. Nobody I mean, these things that it's now that people are talking about renewing your mind and visualization and confessing the word and meditate. Mio, I don't I don't know about you, but these were not things as in until God began to literally teach me these things. I did not know that Christianity had anything to do with the mind. I thought you basically just, you know, pray and pray and pray. And then God will send this power and the power will hit you, boom. And then you literally just become another man or something like that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Christianity had anything to do with the mind. I thought it was all about just, you know, yield your spirit quote and unquote to God and then God would just do whatever he wanted to do. And he began to show me starting with Romans 12 all through the Bible to the children of Israel in the wilderness about how they limited God. And he showed me two things that were wrong with your plan. Number one, Your mind because of the images that you had been exposed to as a child they had literally created an imprint on your heart and whatever is imprinted on your on the heart will effortlessly reproduce because your heart is a production center okay the heart is a production center so he told me that said you There was no way you were going to escape that. That was the way your mind, you thought you were running away from it, but literally you were running towards it because your mind was already, what's the word? Um, When you, okay, I'm sure the word will come to me. So your mind had been imprinted. You know, when you print something, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what country you go to. It will still produce exactly the same thing. That's number one. And you thought, oh, all I needed to do was, if I don't want it, then I'm going to use actions to get away from it. And then the second thing he pointed out, pointed out to me was, everything you did to try and get away from it was dead works. So all those my my being super chased, <laughs> as I like to say, call it super chased. Eh, no, which kind of boyfriend? Don't even dare think about it even when i had a boyfriend that you don't know, you know i i laid out the rules that, that said eh don't don't do this don't do this this guy himself was tired it's like oh, there's it something and literally he told me he said there's something wrong with you <laughs> there's something wrong with the way you think because man was like no you can't do this i'm not sleeping with you it was like ah, when did that? one? but anyway so god told me that all those things were dead works because they were they were created, they originated in the brain. They originated in the brain. It was the logical mind spewing out all these suggestions that for this to happen, try this, do this, this is what you need to do. That was logic. That was not by inspiration. Says So they were dead works. So he said number you were carrying around a mind that was filled with images Of having a child outside of wedlock, number one. And number two, those images, you were trying to superimpose or um, deal with those images by conjuring up dead works. He said, at the end of the day, what happened? Failure. Exactly what was in the heart will always come out. And And he began to show me. And he taught me. I was like, what? You mean if I had been taught this? If I had been taught how to renew my mind, I would not be here. God said, yes, you would not be here. That was, for me, that was the best news I had ever heard. Because I knew from that point that... If No matter what pit in life I find myself in, no matter where life knocks me into, I know that, "Mm, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We know how how to get back up. (laughs) For me, it was the best news. I was excited. I was like, you mean if I bring these two things in alignment with you, I would effortlessly enter into the beautiful, satisfying life? God said yes. And he didn't lie. Because that has been my experience since that time, 16 years ago. He didn't lie. So he, he basically told me, said, if you don't sit down and deal with starting with the mind... You can do everything you want again and put all those measures and say, ah, it's happened now. It will never happen again. And then start saying all those things and putting, you know, even multiplying all the actions and the measures and all those things, the safety measures and locking myself, you know, in, in, in some kind of room and say, nobody, no guy will ever see my face. He said, no, I give you two years and it will happen again. That's what he said to me said it will happen again because there is an imprint and the heart is the production center. Whatever is in the heart will effortlessly reproduce out of the heart, out of the abundance of, it. says, guard your heart without quoting a completely different scripture it says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of that heart proceed the issues, the experiences of your life. So he basically said, change the image If you want to change your experience, change the image and then the actions will follow that new image and voila, you have the brand new experience that you want. So that was how God helped me. And that was how, and he literally did help me because, you know, Maxine was, my daughter was 12 when I got married and I never, you know, went into any kind of shady relationship in those 12 years, not because listen to what I'm saying, not because, uh, I, I had the answer. or I was good in any way, because I just, you know, I just gave the example that even when I had a strong desire for it not to happen and I put all the works around, it, it still happened. I was still drawn into the perfect relationship that would make it happen. That was the one that I was drawn into that's, that's the way it works. Right. But for those 12 years, basically I changed image and it was so effortless. It was literally so effortless so that even when the one I could smell, (laughs) I could smell like all these kind of relationships from afar, the mercy of God preserved me and all this is basically what I'm saying. Okay. But God basically told, I remember, I'll never forget. He said, it's only a matter of time before you're going to have another child that's at the wedlock even though you don't want it said it's only a matter of time if you don't sit down and change the image so that's the first example the second example is in the area of marriage okay so i thought you know it would be nice to flow into because uh, i talked about my single life let's flow into the married life because i have so many examples and areas of my life that i have seen this work like you know clockwork but Since we're flowing, let me talk about marriage. Now, I got married (laughs) at a point where, you know, now you have been very independent you like doing things your own way you don't have to answer to anybody you, i feel like do something i just get up and do it okay i have this vision and i just get say mm, okay this is the vision let's go for it and i'll go for it i want to travel carry my child and travel you know you don't have to ask anybody anything you don't have to You don't understand so I, I i was so independent and i I'm probably more independent than normal. <laughs> okay, I remember. I remember, you know, one of the nicknames that my husband gave me is Fi. He Calls me Fi sometimes, which is fiercely independent. Because I think on one of the first conversations we had, I said I am fiercely independent. <laughs> so he found that so funny. He's like. what what do you mean? Anyway, so, so I was, I was fiercely (laughs) independent. Um, and I was not going to yield or submit or even sort of allow someone else's ideas to mingle with my own. I knew what I wanted and I was going for it. Marriage was for me, I'm describing the mindset that I carried into marriage. Okay, married for me was, okay, God has set me, and because I had walked with God, because I had this deep intimate relationship with God, I just felt like, I, I, one of the fears, okay, now, the fears that I had was, I don't want somebody, all those times when I was single, and some of the things that God began to correct, was, I don't want somebody to come and cramp my style, you know, I have this amazing thing going. Someone will not come now and then we just come and dislodge the whole thing and everything will just scatter. So that was my sort of mind. And God basically was telling me that you you don't know how marriage is. You don't until you truly experience this thing called marriage and what I have in store for you. You know, in fact, you'll be saying, ah, why didn't I come into this thing since? It told me that that is the kind of experience that is wasting for you. So he had to literally help renew my mind to the point where I could even be open enough to attract the right person into my life. Okay. So I came into marriage with that kind of mindset that, okay, I, nobody is going to, you know, sort of dominate me. Nobody's going to dominate me. Okay. Uh, don't come and use the spiritual authority <laughs> or those kind of things. And also because, I had come out of a season where, you know, I just, I don't want any authority. Just leave me. Um, let me follow God and you two follow God. And since we're walking together, we're both following God. Um, so that was mindset I came into. And obviously that is a warped mindset when it comes to marriage. It's warped. It is distorted. It is distorted. And what now happened was, of course, there were conflicts, right? Conflicts. Because they're like, I tell people like, I, I, you know, the first probably few months of my marriage, I was like, oh God, what is this? As in, you know, you're in love with the person and you know, you're happy. But my experience in marriage for the first few months was like, what? It it just felt, felt almost like an out of body experience. Like this is not me. I kept I kept saying this is not me this is not me this, is, this doesn't feel right what i was really saying was the 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 institution of marriage was challenging was seriously taking a hammer to the the mindset to my way of thinking prior to marriage it was literally taking a hammer to it and my own um self preservation kicked in as in no <laughs> I'm going to hold on to my way of thinking. I don't want anybody to come and dominate me. No, I don't want anybody to come and rule over me. I am just going to follow God. Don't, I don't want any person to come and tell me what to do and all those kind of things. And there were conflicts. I'm like, so, and I went to God and my wonderful husband. (laughs) So me, I went to God because I was like, okay, God, this is not how we agreed that this thing was going to be. I love my husband. I love my children. But this whole family marriage thing is not really working for me. Okay. So I need you to now show me the beautiful, satisfying light that is perfect in your eyes. And then also show me the true things that I'm getting wrong that is preventing me from entering into it. And he did. He began to show me. This is where when I coach my clients now and you know, uh, most of my clients are women. All right. I coach men too. And, but it quite often the, the marriage thing comes up with, with my clients, with my female clients. And they would say things like, Oh, you know, the, the marriage, the problem in the marriage, da, 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 he's not this, he's not that, he's not this and that. this, what I, what I teach them, this is where it came out from. All right? I didn't read it. This is, it was my own experience. It literally came out. So basically when I went to God, this is what he said to me. He took me to first Peter three, one to one to five. I believe it is. I hope I've quoted that right. I believe it is. And it says. There, it says if the husband is unbelieving, it says wives, if the husband is unbelieving, it says you you will not win him over by chat, by constant nagging, talk, 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 talk. You must do this, and all those things. Say that's not how you are going to get a husband to change or to be in alignment with the vision that you see or whatever it is right? you have a desire you believe that um, something should happen with the family or with the kids and you just you almost want to nag him to enter into it, it says no he says you by you present yourself to god allow god to change and i'm paraphrasing okay to change he talks about sarah it says they allowed God to change them, to give them beauty from the inside. It says that when you submit yourself to God and allow God to change your own heart, it says that the man and unbelieving, all right? Even those, you know, you might read that and say, not born again, but unbelieving simply means someone that is not, that doesn't yet see that doesn't believe. So you are saying something as a woman and women are quite intuitive. So we tend to see things before everyone else does. Right. So you are seeing something, but he doesn't believe that what you're saying is the right way to go. So, so if he's unbelieving, he say, you present present yourself to me. I will clothe you with inner beauty that is precious. And then he, by observing your conduct, will be changed. And God taught me that. God taught me that. I said, stop all these things you're doing. <laughs> so he, he literally... You know, the truth is that your mindset is wrong, is distorted. If you don't change it, this will be your experience in marriage. Alright? No matter if you try one day and say, okay, this week I'm going to I'm going to do that and you try and produce dead works, it's not going to change anything. So I applied the same principle to it. I literally applied the same principle. And God said, You need to take the word. You need to renew your mind regarding marriage. He, he literally took me through steps on what I needed to do, submitted to God in the place of prayer and in the place of meditation on the word. He said, You just leave your husband. All right? You submit, yield your own heart to me. Allow me to change you, and by you being changed, he will be changed. And I felt like, eh, eh. So, so me, I'll now change, and then he'll now ride over. <laughs> of course, you think mindsets change in one second? They don't change in one second, though. That's the truth. It takes time. So my initial reaction was like, eh. eh I thought I asked you for a solution. The solution you are giving me is that I should even lie down more, so that somebody will come and climb over my head. And God was like, I see this one. (laughs) But eventually I was like, okay, I hear what you're saying and I will do it. And I began to renew my mind with the word of God. I began to renew my mind with the word of God. It's still going. I'm not, you know, it is every day presents these new challenges. But what I'm saying is in a space of time, my marriage became so beautiful. As in the way I saw marriage Changed as in the way I saw my husband transformed, as in beautiful, beautiful, right? Intimate, deep, <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean beautiful and satisfying. But it didn't start that way. And if I hadn't gone back to ask God, show me the two, those two things so the mind area and the actions that are not in alignment, and if I hadn't taken the time to work on them it would have gone worse. It would have been worse because it really was a tough time for me. All right. Those few earlier months of my marriage. So those are the two examples. Those are the two examples that I wanted to give from my life. Um, now the, to finish this off, to finish this off, I'm going to talk about Gideon and when God told me about Gideon, I said, go and read about Gideon and he brought it to my remembrance. I was very excited because Gideon is the perfect example of how God literally takes us through those two processes or conditions in order to access the beautiful and satisfying life that he has for us so i'm going to read i've broken it down into like th- three sections um talking through i'm literally going to talk talk through the story of gideon um, and then show how his own process or journey of transformation happened um i'll read from Judges six so it says that this is let's start from the beginning so what was the cause what was the beginning where did we first meet gideon Well, what did it look like when God, you know, showed up on the scene or where we were brought into his story? It says that the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, in the caves and the strongholds. This is Judges 6. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and the donkeys. That was that was their life. That was the life that Gideon was living. And basically, what I also wanted to point out, what I found very fascinating, you know, using the story of Gideon is this. You'll soon read, I'll soon read out to you about Gideon's mindset, right? By the time God showed up and started talking to him about being the deliverer of Israel, his mindset was so distorted, so far away from what God was asking him to do. And what was the reason for that? What he had been exposed to, he was a product of his environment as we all are. We're all products of our environments. So there's certain gifts and the inheritance that God has deposited inside us, but our way of thinking is shaped and forged by what we are exposed to in our environment. So Gideon, having grown up in this kind of environment where the the enemies of Israel basically just um, oppressed them, that's the right word, they oppressed them to the point that they couldn't, they had nothing to eat. They stole all their food. As as a harvest were coming up, they, there they came again. They would take all their wheat, everything they planted, all their sheep, their goats and everything and left them with nothing, stripped bare. That was what forged Gideon's mindset. That was what was predominant in his mind. All right, now let me keep going. Now says that the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites, right? So like I said, his experiences, his environment had trained his mind to think, ah, I better go and hide like everyone else in order to at least have something to eat. He now says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. You see? Mighty man of valor. I like that better. That's how King James says it. Man of valor. Mighty hero. How can you be calling somebody that is hiding cowardly? In his experience, he's cowardly. I mean, he's hiding so that he can thresh wheat and have a little bit of bread to eat. But God showed up and said, hey, mighty hero, how are you doing? That's the difference. How did God see him as a mighty hero, as a mighty man of valor? How, based on his ex- ex- his experiences, did he see himself? He saw himself as a cowardly man, as a fearful man, and that's exactly how he responded. Sir, Gideon said, "If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt?" But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. What's wrong with this picture? Okay, let's break it down. Number one, his mind was wrong. His mind, God said, I am with you. Gideon <laughs> said, no, you are not with us. That's, I mean, his mind, his thoughts were like as heavens as far away from the earth, so were his thoughts as far away from the thoughts of God towards him. The same way, you know, some, you know, you would look at your life and say, oh, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't want this to happen, you know, maybe why is God allowing this to happen to me? You look at your life, you at the Bible and there's a huge disparity. The way God sees you is not determined by the, your experience. The way God sees you is the way God sees you. And that is through Christ. And it is, he sees you perfect in his eyes in that peaceful and satisfying life. But Gideon said, No, you're not with us. Oh, so sorry. How can you say you're with us? See what is happening to us. Our enemies are this. Nah. And he started to point out all the things in his environment that has shaped his mind into thinking that God was not with them. He was judging only by his situation. Therefore, he concluded that, No, God, you can't be with us. You're not telling the truth. Number one, his mind was wrong. And number two, remember those conditions, mind and ways or actions. His actions were wrong. He was hiding away, cowering before an enemy God was calling him to defeat. All right, He thought the way to survive was to hide away and thresh wheat. And at least let me eat a little bit. Meanwhile, those, that's not what God was thinking. I said, like, no, I have a completely different plan to what you're thinking. My plan for this, for you to survive and dominate, oh, is nothing like what you're thinking. So God's plans and his actions were completely different and out of alignment with Gideon's. All right. So his thinking and his actions were wrong. As a result of that, he could not access What God was promising him, which is what we're saying, which is what we're saying. So God had to go to work on Gideon, starting with his mind. Remember, it is inside out transformation. You don't start on the outside. Nowhere do we see God starting anything on the outside. When he created the heavens and the earth said, let there be light and there was light. Uh, let us make man. He spoke it into being in the spirit, right? He created it. And then the Bible talks about how he now created it physically. Go and read it. He talked about, he let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, da, da, da. And then Genesis, is it two or, or one or later? Basically he said, and he formed man. Ah, I thought he had already created man. He said male and female. He cre- he cre- so it is the, from the inside out. The spirit to the physical is never the reverse. So the first thing God had to do was work on the inside. He's thinking that was faulty and distorted and hindering God from doing what he wanted to do. How? Through an exchange of thoughts. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And, It is a place of meditation, taking the word of God, meditating, renew your mind. I tell people, if there's anything God has called me to do is to teach people how to renew in a practical, not in a cloud, you know, you know, dancing around kind of way. Because for years I suffered because I didn't know how to renew my mind. I didn't. I've talked about that. I didn't know how to renew my mind, how to exchange my mind, my old distorted crazy mind for a new one so by the renewal taking the word of god and in the place of prayer prayer should be an exchange of thoughts you are exchanging your own thoughts for the thoughts of god if you are praying and your mind is wandering thinking about the dollar fries and chicken you are going to eat at the end of the prayer you have not really maximized that time of prayer your spirit has been edified so if you prayed in spirit for example your spirit has been edified but remember your spirit is not really the issue god is in your spirit the spirit is like fine is on is on point Is firing wanting to go the mind is the issue so if you keep building up your spirit and your mind is still like just you know <laughs> like baby mind compared to, and you want, you want to be a giant and your mind is still baby mind. You can't access it. So in the place of prayer, basically as you pray and as you study the word, and as you meditate on the word, you literally need to renew your mind. All right. And there are things you can do exercises, you know, that will allow you basically to renew your mind. What, what are you looking at? So let's see how basically God began to work on Gideon, because notice how God didn't override and say, uh, uh, why are you talking like that now? Yeah. Come, I'm going to go. No, like for two chapters or something like that, it was back and forth, back and forth. God basically trying to bring Gideon to the point where he would agree with him so that he could do what he, and do you imagine? That is what a lot of us are actually hoping would happen. That even though your mind is out of alignment with what God wants to do, you're thinking, oh, maybe God will just, in his mercy, just override it and just come and do it now. God, just do it. God, just reveal your power. You don't see it anywhere in the Bible. The Gideon that we're talking about, he was so out of alignment in his thinking that God, you know, God didn't just say, "Uh uh-uh look at you. No, you're, you're mighty man of valor. Follow me. No, literally there was an exchange of thoughts. He would say something and the angel would reply and say, no, that is not it. And they kept exchange until he came to the point where he was a aha. Okay. Now I see it. And once that happened, God could then move on to the next stage with what, which was his actions. Let me read something, a few things from uh, a few verses from the Bible to show you what I'm saying about that. says then the lord turned to him and said go with the strength you have and rescue israel from the Midianites. i'm sending you but lord gideon said how can i rescue israel (laughs) my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of manasseh and i'm the least in my entire family he was fighting for his limitations like no 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 no, what you're saying cannot be true you know why because my tribe manasseh is the least and also my clan is the least in Manasseh and I am the least in my clan. So he was basically saying, I'm the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. He was arguing for his limitations, fighting to keep his limitations, which is what happens when God introduces any thoughts to show you that beautiful, satisfying life. Suddenly the mindset, the old thoughts that are misaligned with God's thoughts will rise up and say, ah, oh, that's not possible. I, I know it happened for this person, but no, 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 I don't think that's, that's what's happening. That's what happened with Gideon. Okay. Thank God the Bible, re- he voiced it because it was a conversation and we could, you know, we, we, we had the privilege of being able to actually see this is the process of renewal of mind. Then he said, um, so after I saying I'm the least, the Lord says in God spoke again, said, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Medianites as if you were fighting against one man. So God kept showing in pictures and images. That is the process of renewing of the mind because the mind thinks in pictures, the mind thinks in pictures. So the word that God gives you needs to be translated into a picture for you to believe it. Otherwise you can agree with it in your mind. Say so, yes, the Bible says that, but you will never believe it because it is not an image yet until it becomes an image you're forever going to struggle with doubt. Okay. Don't go away. Uh, sorry. Um, you're fighting against one man. Gideon replied, "Hmm. if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. And then the angel answered, I will stay here until you return. Can you see how patient God was with him in the same way he's patient with us, right? Why didn't the angel just say, do you know what? Forget all that. It doesn't matter that you don't believe it. Let's just put the plan into action. The plan would have failed even though God was in it. Huh? Case study, children of Israel. Case study, children of Israel. God was in it, but they didn't believe it and it never worked. So God was not just going to drag, you know, kicking and screaming into it. We're hoping secretly that that's what will happen. That God will just say, even though you don't believe it, I'm just going to push you into it anyway. No, it's not going to happen. And that's the truth. So the angel said, okay, I'll wait for you. I'm going to be patient. However long it takes for you to come in alignment in your mind and see the way I'm seeing it in this situation, I will wait for you. Right? (laughs) Then, um, I've lost my place. (laughs) Okay. Here we are. And Gideon hurried home. He cooked and presented the food to the angel. Then the angel of God said to him, place it on this rock and pour the broth over it. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and, the, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. So he basically showed him something, a very vivid and spectacular image. Uh, how? What more do you need? I am God. I'm, you know, I was, I'm an angel sent by God, right? When Gideon realized I was the angel of the Lord, he cried out. Oh, sorry, Lord. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is, the Lord is peace or the Lord, my peace peace you would think he ended there he didn't end though after he came to that isn't that the same as us you know you are you are interacting with the word and then you're like oh i believe and then you go out and everything's scattered. like oh god i don't believe again (laughs) so he went back and forth to god literally was patient with him took him through the process of the renewal of the mind because without it he could not access what god had for him impossible the moment you settle this you would take personal responsibility and you will begin the process. You would stop blaming people. You will stop blaming God. You will stop blaming the economy. You will stop blaming your spouse. You will literally say, oh, it's my faulty thinking that is producing my experiences. Okay, God, let's get to work. Let's go and change this faulty thinking. So back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until he finally came to the point where He and God were on the same frequency. So he had come, he had seen the image and he was one with the image. The image had taken root in his heart and he said, yes, I am a mighty man of valor. I will lead the people of Israel, the people of God into their deliverance and to dominate the enemy. He was ready. But before that, God didn't move. The only movement we saw on God's part was to help him renew his mind. What if he get this as in when I got this, it was so liberating. I, I stopped blaming anything and anyone. I never blame anything or anyone for anything in my life again, ever. I just say, ah, the only reason why this, ha- even if the person was wicked to me, I'll say, ah, the only reason why you were able to come into my life to do this is because there's something faulty in my mindset. I need to go and ask God. And I say, what is it? Show me so I can uproot it. Right? But it didn't end there. Remember there are two conditions. So once God got, once God <laughs> got him to the point where his mind was now in the same frequency, like God is saying to someone, "Okay, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed." But you're like, oh, "No, but the pain, but the..." And then He keeps, you know, exposing you. You know, hopefully, from what I said, you know that you have to take um, the lead here. You have to literally engage with the Word to renew your mind. So the more you engage with the Word and your thoughts, 40 thoughts of, "Hey, this sickness can never go," and everything, with the thoughts of God that says you are already healed. You come to the point and say, uh-uh, I'm healed now. Okay, that is the point where God will now begin to work on the actions, the external, never before, okay? So that's what happened with Gideon. He now got to the point where God now said, all right, let's get this uh, show on the road. Let's get this show started. And Gideon at first called all the warriors and all the soldiers 30,000 people there about approximately showed up. So they gathered all the men that they had left that hadn't run away or that they could find that weren't hiding in caves. <laughs> so they gathered 30,000 men and they said, Oh, let's go and fight against these people. Again, he started off with human intelligence. So remember, it is not just about renewing your mind. The renewed mind, right? Progressively renewed mind will produce the right actions. But It is also, you know, the thing is the flesh also wants to, to give you ideas that come from the logical mind. The logical mind can never produce the supernatural works of God. It's just impossible. It says that the carnal mind cannot access the things of the spirit. It's just impossible. It's just impossible. So he, in his own estimation, thinks, okay, when you're going to war, what do you do? Uh, okay. Logically you will go and gather 30,000 people. And what I want to point out here is that is your starting point. It's a fantastic place to start. Don't sit down and say, yes, I have seen the image. Hmm, God has shown me that I'm going to be a billionaire and I'm just, you know, what you start with the logical. Gideon started with the logic as so to say, okay, so how, how, where do we start from? So he went and gathered 30,000 men and said, okay, but he didn't literally gather the 30,000 and then run with it. Because his mind is now renewed. He knows that he can't do things like that. The things of the spirit don't come from the intelligent mind. They come from your spirit. So he began to interact with God. And God basically began to give him instructions. You know, he said, my ways are not your ways. He said, the ways of the world is to go and get 30,000 men. My ways in this particular situation is different. Or my way is different. So God began to show him his ways. Gave him specific instructions and wisdom that nobody could have ever thought about. And as a result of that, he whittled that army down to 300 men, 300 from 30,000 who in their right minds will go and fight an army, a battle with 300 men, nobody in their right minds, but guess what? His ways are not our ways. So as you engage with God in that process, the process is not complete when you see the image. The process is, it, it continues because you now continue to interact with that word until God sh- begins to show you the right action steps to take. And now says that he whittled it down to 300. And do you know that with the 300, Gideon, did, he defeated and destroyed an army that the Bible the Bible describes as, says that these enemy hordes were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. That's who Gideon defeated with 300 men. You see, when God brings out his own actions as a result of the product of a renewed mind, you take one little five, five loaves and two fish and you will feed 5,000. Right? And you feed 5,000. God said, I'm going to wrap, wrap up by reading the scripture. Isaiah 55, 8-9, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the sky is higher than the earth, so my ways are superior to your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So, in order to live that beautiful, satisfying life, perfect in God's eyes, to live out your full potential in God, you must satisfy those two conditions, okay? Um, I'm pretty much done. Uh, This is just to announce to you and to let you know that my GEMS program has opened up. Inside Out Transformational Coaching. Everything I have talked about today is wrapped up in GEMS. But if you know me by now, you know I don't do theory. So the process that takes you All the way through the renewing of the mind to interacting with God to fine tune, to draw out the actions of God in order to access your beautiful, satisfying and um, perfect in God's eyes life. If you want to know more about it, go to yoursuperabundantlife.com forward slash gems. That's yoursuperabundantlife.com forward slash gems gems the link will also be in the show notes all right have a look and hopefully i will see you in gems thank you and i'll be back next week bye